Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, November 27th, 2018, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Remember that Mercury is retrograde now until December 6th, so you might want to hold off on buying those Christmas electronics or make sure you get the insurance. And a special shout-out to Richard. Happy birthday, Tonight, we are happy to welcome our guests, Pia and Cullen, back to the show. Pia Orlean is a Ph.D., and Cullen Baird-Smith are co-creators of the revolutionary new Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar and co-authors of Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology, Charting the Spirals of Consciousness. Also, Conversations with Lark Ma, A Pleiadian View of the New Reality, and Remembering Who We Are, Lark Ma's Guidance on Healing the Human Condition. Trained in archaeology and anthropology, Cullen, who has been accessing parallel realms of love and light since childhood, is an empathic intuitive. Former practicing psychologist and author of the Nautilus Gold award-winning book, Sacred Retreat, Using Natural Cycles to Recharge Your Life, Pia is a respected intuitive and astrologer. Pia and Cullen have been lecturing around the world for the past dozen years, bringing the wisdom of the Pleiadian group Larkma. Audiences of all sizes throughout America, across Europe, South America, and Russia have welcomed the interstellar wisdom and perspectives Larkma shares. Pia and Cullen gave up their traditional careers for this larger purpose, and their mission is to help the evolution of all as we move towards unity and higher vibrational states of consciousness. They offer many services, including monthly live calls to interact with Larkma, weekly inspiring messages from the Pleiadians, and personal sessions. You can visit their websites. Uh, the first one is larkma.com, and that is spelled L A A R K. M-A-A dot com and PiaOrlean.com and that's P-I-A-O-R-L-E-A-N-E dot com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy, Jada, and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk, and if you'd like to show your support of our program, please, all you have to do is click follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices if you choose those notifications. Uh, the toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. If you have a birthday coming up, 
you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power, do you? You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it about three months ahead to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. Hey, Anastasia. Hello, good evening. I missed all of you. It's great to have you back. It's great to be back on the air. Lots of news in the last two weeks, and I've got lots of news tonight, so let's get to it. Um, They landed a NASA probe safely on the Martian surface yesterday. The name of the probe is called InSight, and there were two tiny spacecraft that flew with this lander to Mars, that were able to relay telemetry from the probe as it descended to the surface. Now, in the coming days, mission managers will be accessing uh, the health of the probe after its 300 million mile trip. 300 million miles, guys. They say it's going to be six months or, or more before we get any first scientific results. Now, uh, the InSight probe was, as I said, accompanied by two spacecraft, which is really fascinating to think about because they're called CubeSats. And they're the size of a cereal box, maybe a grape nuts box. And it's one of a new generation of very small satellites, little bitty satellites the size of a cereal box. And CubeSats are now being used at NASA to test new technologies. And in this case, the new technology is communications equipment that will relay telemetry data from InSight to the Earth. And the landing probe, InSight, has two primary instruments, the reason they're sending it. A sensitive seismometer and an underground temperature probe meant to measure tiny fluctuations in the red planet's interior. They say the mission is going to last about two of our Earth years. Pretty remarkable. Well, guys, fasten your seatbelts. Chinese scientist says he's the first to create genetically modified babies using CRISPR technology. For the very first time, a scientist is claiming to have used a powerful new gene editing technique to create genetically modified human babies. The scientist from the Southern University of Science and Technology in Shenzhen, China, says he used human embryos modified with the gene editing technique CRISPR to create twin girls. He says his team performed gene surgery on embryos created from their parents' sperm and eggs to protect the children from the human immunodeficiency virus, or HIV, that causes AIDS. The children's father is HIV positive. He told the public, quote, when the embryos were just a single cell, the surgery removed a doorway through which HIV enters to infect people. Now, because this research has not yet been published in any scientific journal or vetted by other scientists, many researchers and bioethicists remain cautious about his claim. But if true, many have said the move would be historic, comparing it to the first baby created through in vitro fertilization in 1978. Now, meanwhile, he is facing investigation by a local media medical ethics board to see whether his experiment broke Chinese laws or regulations. Scientists are in an uproar. One said, a biochemist at the University of California said, 
This work is a break from the cautious and transparent approach of the global scientific community's application of CRISPR for human germline editing. Uh, the, the, the claim really reinforces the urgent need to confine the use of gene editing in human embryos to settings where there's a clear unmet medical need and when there's no alternative viable approach. Another scientist said that knocking out this CCR5 gene will likely render a person much more susceptible to the West Nile virus. And another scientist said, if true, this amounts to unethical and reckless experimentation on human beings and a grave abuse of human rights, throwing open the door to a society of genetic haves and have-nots that undermines our chances for a fair and just future. Wow. Somebody did it. Been done. So they claim. <clears throat> and uh, about the salad situation, you know, salads, lettuce, all that. Well, investigators tracking the latest romaine lettuce outbreak are feeling some deja vu. And over the past six weeks, at least 50 people in the United States and Canada have gone to the doctor suffering from the symptoms of food poisoning. They were infected with an identical strain of E. coli bacteria that was present in the last epidemic on lettuce, that occurred from lettuce. Now, most of uh, the people that were infected recalled eating romaine lettuce. Therefore, they're tracking it to romaine as the source of the infection. And on Tuesday, uh, today, I guess, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued a warning. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. That was last Tuesday. They have another announcement that came out today, which I'll get to in a minute. Anyway, uh, earlier uh, they announced a warning. They said, throw out your romaine lettuce. Parts of romaine disappeared from supermarket shelves and bags of Caesar salad mix. If you've been in the market, you've noticed that the shelves of bag salad are empty. Well, um, one detail in the announcement that really caught the attention of uh, food safety experts, excuse me, was that this is the exact strain of E. coli that they've seen before. And just under a year ago, it caused a small wave of illness again in the United States and Canada. Now, the outbreak got more attention in Canada than it did in the States, um, but the United States wasn't convinced it was that bad. And anyway, somebody didn't watch it, and now that strain of bacteria is back. And experts are saying it means that they never solved the problem of where the E. coli was coming from in the first place. And up until today, experts were telling people to play it safe and don't eat any romaine at all. Now, meanwhile, as of today, some printed reports say that health officials are telling the public that it's okay to eat some romaine lettuce again if you check the label. Well, I want to tell you right now that many packages of lettuce don't have any origination markings on them. The story goes on to say that the Food and Drug Administration narrowed that blanket warning against romaine from its uh, statement last week when it told us that people shouldn't eat any romaine because of this E. coli. Now it is saying that it appears to be from the California Central Coast region. It said that romaine from elsewhere should, should soon be labeled with harvest dates and regions so that people know that it's okay to eat romaine. Um, mm. Uh, the FDA has also said that hydroponically grown romaine lettuce and romaine grown in greenhouses is not implicated in this outbreak. But here's the deal, guys. This labeling arrangement 
was worked out because the produce industry emergently called on the FDA to quickly stop its scope of its warning so that it wouldn't have to waste freshly harvested romaine. So it was the industry that got the government to modify its caution. An industry group said people can expect to start seeing labels as early as this week. So they're panicked. They want to sell their lettuce. They've worked it out that they're going to label where the lettuce is from. Now, if you buy it in bulk, you're not going to know where it's from. So anyway, the previous morning is probably good to be mindful of. Let's don't eat romaine until they get to the source of this infection. Well, while you all were away in Arkansas, there was a terrible wildfire in California that took out the town of Paradise, a town that I am familiar with. And as of today, 88 people have been found dead and 203 are still unaccounted for after the campfire in Paradise has been contained. Authorities say that 2,689 people who were once marked as missing have been found. Search and rescue crews, coroners, and forensic anthropologists are continuing with their recovery and search efforts. This fire destroyed 13,972 houses. 528 commercial structures, and 4,293 other buildings. Utter, unbelievable devastation, which, incidentally, ad lib, um, has been traced to the likelihood of a fire, fires caused by um, electrical lines, having started it, defective electrical lines. They have since come out and said they thought that it was uh, created by people, perhaps a campfire. Um, but the original finding and suspicion was an electrical line. On the very day the fire started, a resident in the woods uh, in that region reported sparking electrical lines. So in the meantime, the state of California uh, passed legislation to protect uh, Pacific Gas and Electric from lawsuits connected to this fire. All right, here's a fun story, kind of kind of strange. It's a story about how cooking and cleaning transformed a violent man. That's right. Get a man that beats on you, just give him a broom and teach him how to use it. Not on you, but on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> a grassroots, now mind you, this isn't, this isn't a program that's here in the United States. No, we're not quite this progressive. A grassroots intervention program uh, that is trying to reduce domestic violence in Rwanda is teaching men how to do household chores. And a recent study has suggested it is having a positive effect on their communities. Now, a man named Muhosa used to beat his wife. He saw her as somebody that he married just to have children and look after them. He said... I was following the example of my father. My father would not do anything at home. If ever I came home and found something was not done yet, I would abuse her. I would call her lazy, tell her she was useless and should get back to her parents' house. Well, then something changed. This man learned how to cook and clean. He took part in classes which covered everything from cooking and cleaning to discussions on how to challenge traditional gender roles. He proudly states... I know how to cook. I do laundry for the kids. I know how to peel plantains. I know how to pound dry cassava and sift the flour. 
My family and friends started saying that my wife must have given me some drugs. They would tell me that no <laughs> genuine man could carry a bundle of firewood in the street. That is for henpecked men. <laughs> he says that his children feel closer to him, and his wife now runs a banana business that has allowed them to improve their home. He says, the way my wife treats me now is different from the way she used to treat me. She used to treat me badly because I was mistreating her too, but now we discuss and agree on things to do. He says, I have set her free, and now she is working, and I am working too. Whereas before I was convinced she had to stay home and be available whenever and wherever and however I would need her. Wow. Wow. Well, yesterday was the last day to eat your Thanksgiving leftovers. Uh, Leftovers, with few exceptions, last four days in the fridge, authorities tell us. That means that if you've got turkey and stuffing and the rest in the icebox, yesterday was the last day to polish them off. You could have frozen them, of course, if you were smart. You froze individual portions as you were cleaning up from dinner on Thursday. Most people aren't that smart. (laughs) Anyway, they say. (laughs) That when you have dinners like that, large meals, you want to try to get your food uh, in the fridge soon after dinner. Two hours from cooking time is the standard rule, but four hours is usually okay. So if you have leftovers, the authorities that be tell you it's time to throw them out. Give them maybe to the dogs. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, don't eat it. Well, there was a tropical storm that hit southern Vietnam. It's named Usagi. It is the longest and heaviest ever recorded rainfall in Saigon history. There were torrential downpours that lasted the entire day, caused serious flooding in many districts in Vietnam. Electricity was cut off, and 39 streets had been deeply submerged by Sunday. Photographs of that are pretty distressing. They are underwater. And in Australia, Queensland has bushfires. People evacuated their homes due to bushfires amid unprecedented weather conditions in the state of Queensland. About 40 bushfires are burning across the state following a heat wave. The most serious blaze is north of Brisbane, has destroyed homes and prompted evacuation orders. The conditions have been described as highly unusual for this time of year. And we have a little bit of problems in the seas. It's... uh, Very disturbing. Red tide has been suspected as 22 dead dolphins wash up on Collier and Lee beaches in Florida. Dolphins appear to be the latest victim of red tide in southwest Florida. 22 washed up dead. Tests need to be uh, completed on this, but they think that the dolphins are being killed by brevitoxin from red tide. They say that when water testing results come in tomorrow morning, they expect to see a spike in the red tide counts. Now, dolphins aren't the only animals affected by this spike. Uh, there could be uh, dead, tea, dead sea turtles uh, that have been affected by this toxin that have been found on the beaches and other reports of birds that have died as well. And in New Zealand, at least 145 pilot whales are dead following a mass stranding at a remote beach in southern New Zealand. The two pods stranded themselves about a mile apart on Stewart Island. Uh, This island is home to about 375 people. It's located off the southern shore of New Zealand, uh, largest southern island. And authorities have contacted the local indigenous people uh, to discuss what to do. Nobody seems to know what they can do. 
they think that the whales were beached for at least a day prior to being detected. Everybody feels terrible about it. Nobody knows what's happened nor what they can do to intervene. And it calls to my mind the studies and the previous articles over the last several years, some of these I've brought to your attention on this little show about uh, Navy testing with um, their particular kinds of weapons, underwater weapons. Uh, environmentalists did all they could do to stop that because they knew that it would cause uh, deaths among the uh, ocean animals, and now we find that more and more of these are being beached and are dying. So uh, we probably might do well to suspect technology. There may be underwater volcanic activity. But you know, with all of the money that we have in this world and all of the brilliance of minds and people and their capabilities, there is absolutely no reason that this cannot be discovered. And maybe it's not being discovered because they don't want us to know what's causing it. Anyway, it's awful. However, despite of what the world has, it is but a dream. And I do say what Walt Whitman says. He says, he said, and I'm repeating him today so it will make it current, Walt Whitman is telling all of you to keep your face always toward the sunshine and the shadows will fall behind you. Absolutely true. So from my heart to each one of you, Glad we're all back together, and I give you much love. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Thank you, Arielle. I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. Some important news that you had this week, so we so appreciate it. And until next week, um, thank you so much. So now I am going to get um, Lavendar's mic open and our special guests, Pia and Cullen, just get your mics open and you'll be all set. Okay, we are on the air. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy, Pia and Cullen. We're so happy that you're with us. Thank you. We're delighted to be here. We're very, very happy to be back with you again. Well, uh, you you were just so wonderful the last time that we're glad that you're back. And we also um, just want to mention that you're calling from Cyprus, which is in the Mediterranean, south of Turkey, and uh, and it's in the middle of the night for you. So we really appreciate your joining us tonight. <laughs> so, Lavendar, go ahead and take it away. I'm here. So, okay. Pia Cullen, I love your books. I love the calendars. I'm so excited to talk to you about everything. I don't even know where to start. So let me just say... Why don't you just kick it off by telling us about this wonderful book called The Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology, Charting the Spirals of Consciousness. Great. Thank you. Love to. We've been working with the Pleiadians, as you know, Lavendar, from our last conversations. We've been working with them for over a dozen years. And over this time that we've been working with them, they have been steadily guiding us to navigate our lives by using energy rather than time. And that guidance has progressed to the point where they ask us, would we go ahead and produce a calendar that shows people how to navigate their lives by using energy? And we wrote the book to explain the Pleiadian system. It's called astrology because that's what people think of when they think of energetic systems that tell you about your lives. But it's really more than an astrology book because it really does chart who you are and who you are becoming in a way that you can follow through and know, oh, this is why this resonates with me, 
and this is how I can take my vibration to a higher level. The book describes two different cycles of energy. The first cycle of energy is cosmic energy or universal energy. That's energies that exist all the way through the cosmos, and they're energies like initiating and foundation and change and flow and merging and understanding and illuminating. These type energies are the universal energies. They rotate from 1 to 13 every 13 days, and then they begin again. The earth energies are 20 earth energies that describe the energies that are here on earth that are specific to earth. And they are things like breathing, planting, remembering, devoting, intuiting, self-regulating. Those are some of the examples of earth energies. And they are 1 to 20, and then they start every 20 years again also. Now, these two energy cycles are spiraling together, and each combination of universal energy and earth energy brings a potent combination for people to be aware of so that you can be in flow and harmony with what's going on in the planet today and tomorrow and the next today and the next tomorrow. Additionally, they give you insight into what your own energetic makeup is, what you are what you came here to discover, what you came here to share with others. And basically, it's telling you who you are from an energetic perspective. This is, this is a revolutionary, completely new system of understanding energy rather than time. We've worked with this system for about a decade, refining and trying to make it make sense to humanity, and we wanted to bring out the book and the calendar simultaneously so that people reading the book would have a visual understanding of looking at the calendar, and then we thought, well, the calendar is is an extra part of this, but also both of them together make a clearer sense of what we're trying to introduce to humanity. The the subtitle of the book, Charting the Spirals of Consciousness, was really, really important. We asked the publisher to be sure they included that because the whole concept of the book is really about guiding all the starseeds to recognizing who they are, what they're here to do, and how they can elevate their consciousness by understanding energy. The the basic premise of, of this new system is about relationships. Everything in the universe is in relationship to everything else. Energy is involved with everything. We are energy as human beings. The whole physical world that we see and feel around us is also energy. So what we tried to do, and we think we've been successful at completing this this system, is helping people understand that Energy is everywhere, and energy has intelligence. And so every relationship, whether that's a personal relationship, a family relationship, a business relationship, all relationships, all have to do with energy. Well, I really certainly think that the calendar and the book combination is the ticket. To have, to have the book without the calendar that was going to not be as smart, okay? It's really a smart package the way that you put this together. 
and I'm really anxious to start trying um, to track the kind of energies that are in the book simultaneously with my particular aspect of tracking, which is 25, 26, and 27 degrees of of, of uh, Taurus and Scorpio. Those are Pleiadian lineups. And I did want to ask both of you, you know, we had 40 days and 40 nights where the shadow was going to be able to rise up in a lot of us. And I noticed that just at the beginning of Pleiadian lineup that it was over. And I wanted to ask you if you had any kind of um, indication of how this worked for you with your system, the one that just happened with Venus. Well, mm-hmm. What we have noticed and what we've incorporated into the book is that we have collective shadow cycles and we have personal shadow cycles. And depending on our own energetic makeup, those shadow cycles may fall during a Pleiadian lineup period or during the 40 days before it or at another time, you know, whenever is with your personal makeup, like any type of astrological system. The shadow cycles are really periods where people who don't know what's happening feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm having a whole string of bad hair days. What's going on? Has my luck changed? But actually what they are are opportunities for us to turn our challenges into gateways for change. So the challenges sort of come up in our face, and we feel the shadows more intently because they are giving us an opportunity to raise our vibration, break old patterns, and do something differently. Now, within the Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology System, there's a heavy influence of Venus because Venus is the closest planet to us that impacts us and affects us. Um, Venus is also considered the morning star and the evening star because of her dual positions. And those dual positions of, of Venus have a great effect on us here on Earth because we live in a dualistic system. We see everything as self and other. Therefore, because of this close connection and because the Pleiadians themselves are deeply involved with Venus, there is a 260-day counting period rather than a 365-day counting period if you're going to use time at all. You use the cycles of Venus rather than the cycles of Earth because you're getting guidance from Venus. Every 260 days, there is a collective shadow period that affects everyone on Earth. That is very similar to what you're talking about, about the 40 days and the 40 nights. The collective cycle that's in the Palladian Earth Energy Astrology actually runs for three weeks. So that's pretty close in timing. Um, It's a potent time for us as a collective, as a species, to learn to do things differently, to raise our vibration, and to see what we can do to evolve. The personal shadow cycles happen once every 60 days. And some people, like Cullen, bless his heart, his His personal shadow cycle is always aligned with the collective, which people who have theirs aligned with the collective have a bit of a harder time because they feel the impact of the collective while they're also doing their own evolutionary work. Is there a place to find that? When you you say that Cullen has that, how do you know he has it? What's the aspect that, that activates that for him? Well, there's a, there's a chapter in the book called The Shadow Cycles of Evolution and explains what the shadow cycles are, what the themes of each shadow cycle is, and how to look them up. You, there's an ephemeris in the back of the book. 
And in the back of the book, all you have to do is look at your birth date like you would for any astrological system, and that will give you your energy. And then within what your energy is, you count every 60 days and you find where your shadow cycles are, where the energy repeats itself every 60 days. So that helps you guide when the shadow cycles are coming. For those that that seems like it's a little bit complex, I do offer personal astrology chart readings to help them get into the system and understand it a little more deeply. But shadow cycles are very predictable, and when you know that you're entering into one, rather than feeling like you're being slammed by a period of bad luck, you see things a little differently because you know, oh, well, I can see where this is an old pattern. I can see where I've had this problem before. And you consciously can begin to change it. And Colin and I can attest that it makes a huge difference. Well, we, we have retroactively looked at personal shadow periods over the past, let's say, decade to be sure that this is an accurate system. And we've been overwhelmed with our evidence that we have found. We can retroactively look back and we can see exact mood swings. We can see exact health issues. We can see exact relationship problems. It's amazing when, when we decided to retroactively use that to look to see if it was accurate. And P is absolutely right. We can clock bad hair days. We can clock problems at work. We can clock familial problems. We wanted to be sure that we were presenting something that was accurate and absolutely different than normal astrology. And by using a retroactive tool, We've amazed ourselves and others by how accurate it actually is. You can also use this even for relationship shadow periods. Not only do people have shadow periods and does the planet have shadow periods collectively, but relationships also have shadow periods. So two people can figure out what their relationship energy is, which there's a chapter on that in the book to tell you how to do it, how to calculate it. But once you figure out what the relationship energy is, you can enter into periods of challenge and say, okay, here comes our period and our opportunity to change. Let's see how we can do things differently. And you can really clear out old problems by following that approach. You know, I'm looking at page 167. It says the four stages of awareness with the four stages of shadow cycles. Can you uh, elaborate? There's individual shadow, community shadow, global shadow, and universal shadow. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Basically, it's what we've been talking about, bringing our awareness into a theme for each shadow cycle that happens. The, the individual consciousness is the place where we enter into a real focus on me. This is where our creativity comes in, where our leadership comes in, where our personal healing comes in. We're really focused on what do I need to do for me. The second stage of a, of a shadow cycle is the community awareness. And this is where you enter into a period where you go, what can I do to enhance my community? What can I do to participate differently and bring my community to a higher level of vibration? The third level is the global level, and that's where you're looking at things on the world, like you might be looking at pollution. Or In the Starseed News, we heard about the whales and the dolphins dying. You might be looking at what can I do to make a change globally during a global 
shadow cycle. And the universal cycle is the cycle that brings you in more in connection with the stars, where you realize um, I need to be connected because I'm part stars as well as part here on Earth. I need to figure out how to get my inspiration. I need to figure out how to share my, my visions. I need to learn how to communicate with interstellar beings. All of these things are from a universal awareness. Now, each person going through shadow cycles throughout one year goes through a series of individual, community, global, and universal shadow cycles. So there may be one particular theme, but that theme will have a different aspect of how you look at it, whether you're taking it personally or whether you're taking it to the global level. I certainly like the one that you had listed as universal shadow cycles that may bring a focus on a restless desire to cut through all illusion. Oh, I love that so much. The way you <laughs> that's really where it's at for me. A restless desire to cut through all illusion. Well, so, Dolls, if you're resonating with that, I would suggest that that may be somewhere you've been working for quite some time if you're resonating with it. I really am. I'd like to talk a little bit about your connection to the Mayan calendar and what role did the Pleiadians play in your work and in the Mayan calendar? Well, Lachma tells us that the Pleiadians have been uh, trying to help humanity raise their vibration for over 5,000 years. Colin, do you want to talk about the Mayan calendar a bit? Well, it's more your area. Yeah, well, it's both of our areas, actually. The, the Mayan calendar was given to them by the Pleiadians. Um, the Mayan elders in the past couple of years have decided to actually tell the public that they received their information from the Pleiades. Especially the Guatemalan elders. They are steadfast in revealing that this source of their Mayan calendar came from Pleiadian star beings. And so our interest in the Mayan calendar, P and I have been involved with the Mayan calendar for decades um, we've, we've been interested in, in the information that has come through the calendar. And as someone who's been involved with archaeology and anthropology all my adult life, I have been fascinated with the fact that most anthropologists and archaeologists have probably misled the public about what the calendar really represents. The Pleiadian information that was given to the Maya was about energy, not time. When Lartma started talking to us about learning this system of 13 and 20 energies and how they spiral together, Cullen and I immediately saw the correlation with the Mayan calendar, and we asked them, what's the difference in what you're teaching us and what the Pleiadians previously gave to the Maya? And they said, basically, we're teaching you the same concepts, but we're putting it in terminology that humans can relate to in modern-day times. And we're giving you more in-depth detail about how to use the system. They, they, so, 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 we, so we have changed some of the terminology, not, not the meaning, but the terminology in the words to fit a more modern landscape. We've used languaging that most people could understand much more clearly than the ancient terms that the Maya used. 
for instance, the Maya would discover, they would call the energy that Larkma has told her should be named illumination because it's an energy that brings forth light to reveal the shadows and show how to make changes. They call that monkey energy or chuan energy, which is, um, in the Mayan description, it was a trickster, somebody who could show you the illusions if they could do the tricks. So they had the concept very similarly in the Mayan culture, but not as easy to, to explore on a personal level to understand how to interact with them on a day-to-day basis or how to look at your own energy and see what am I here to explore if this is my energy. So when you were dealing with the Mayan calendar years ago, what, was this new information that you've written about now, was that starting to come through to you then? There was a crossover period. There, there was definitely a correlation. We we were getting little glimpses, little epiphanies of things that that we felt were sort of aha moments of, oh, we really understand this in a much, much deeper level, a more symbolic level, a more understandable level than simply looking at the calendar as Mayan scholars would look at it in the ways that they did for so many years. So one of the things that I experienced during the December 20th of 2012 uh, uh, activation was it wasn't so much for me about uh, the time with the Mayan calendar. It was about looking at the energies that were happening for the star seed. It was like they rose up overnight. It was like somebody came with a giant arm and threw all the chess pieces off and stacked them back on, and when they stacked them back on, there were star seeds on the board. That's kind of the way I viewed the um, 2012 activation. We would agree with you. We were doing a LARCMA presentation in Mount Shasta in the 21st of 2012, and we had the most amazing, interesting experience. It was a sold-out event, and we about an hour or two before we were to get there, there was a major snowstorm. Luckily, we were in a vehicle that was worthy of snow driving. But the the interstate to Mount Shasta was closed, both northbound and southbound. And almost everybody that had booked for the session couldn't get there. There was a small percentage who were able to get there. And still, it filled up again with people who had been on the waiting list who were local. And we had the same kind of magical experience of feeling like people who really understood were just popping up that night everywhere. We stayed far into the night after our presentation talking to people who were opening up. And you could feel a difference. It was it was an amazing experience. It was the biggest snowstorm in a hundred years in Northern California, um, the airports north and south were closed. Um, some people did sneak in um, through the the police um, roadblocks, both north and south. So there were some people who were originally to be there, but we felt that everybody in the audience understood that it wasn't about the end of the world that it was about the end of the world as we know it, and that things were being, as you just said a moment ago, Lavendar, things were being reorganized. Things were being reshuffled, and a lot of people had absolute new insights, new understanding. I think it gave people a lift that understood what was truly going on. I felt like about 15% of our brain capacity took a giant leap. It yes. was about... 
our understanding of consciousness. It leaped, it gave us more brain power for some reason. I wanted to ask you at Mount Shasta, did you have any inner earth, hollow earth experiences while you were there? Well, not on that particular occasion, but we have had experiences of communicating and knowing that there are, there is a very big presence that is different. We don't call it inner earth so much. We call it a dimensional shift, but we're very much aware that there's dimensional energy that's different at Mount Shasta. We we lived in Ashland, Oregon, just an hour and 15 minutes north of Mount Shasta for several years, um, four or five years, and we would bi-weekly drive to Mount Shasta to present Larkma, and we had some incredible experiences with energetic change. Um, just well, we used to see double sunsets on the way home. There would be a sunset on the right side of the car and a sunset on the left side of the car at the same time as we were driving home. There were a lot of interdimensional experiences that we had visiting Mount Shasta. So are you going to be doing any retreats or any work there again at Mount Shasta? Is anything coming up for you to be back there? We don't have anything scheduled at the moment. We, it's a long way from Cyprus at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm really feeling st- a, a very strong calling for a lot of people to um, – to go to Mount Shasta, there's something that's happening there that's that's calling a lot of star seeds, and that's just why I wanted to to know if you if you had heard the call or knew of anything that was starting to build in that area. Well, we are aware of it, yes. And we we think sometime in the future we most likely will present there again. So where where you are now? Um, is this where you're going to be living, or are you visiting, or are you writing? What 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 brings you to Cyprus? We're on a writing retreat. We've been here. This is our we're in we're into, into our, our second, second year. year. Um, we're we're um, I guess registered registered residents here, and it's a good question. And we could Pete and I are looking at each other trying to answer your question. <laughs> I guess we can we're putting in moment, moment by moment, and right now we felt called to be in the Middle East. Okay, it's well, it's, it, it's probably a good thing you're not here in the United States because the polarity dance has made our our people pretty um, outrageous right now. The, the shadow got them <laughs> in yeah. the last 40 days and 40 nights. So I don't know whether you've seen anything on television or not, but... Boy, things are jumping up and down in our country right now, just trying to straighten itself out. We have, and we're aware of that, and we feel like that we're doing our part from a distance. We're still American citizens. We're doing our part from a distance. But we also felt a very strong calling that we needed to be in the Middle East because this is a place that requires a lot of peaceful energy because of the dualistic conflict that is here. So right now we're here because that's where we're supposed to be. Yeah, actually, actually, the island of Cyprus is a separated country. It's one of the only countries in the world at this time that has two different factions, the Turkish faction in the north and the Greek faction in the south. The capital city is divided. It's half Greek and half Turkish, and... There's a lot of tension here about who owns what and who's going to rule whom. And we're here to help sort that out energetically. 
We're not involved politically, but we're here to help sort it out. So we think, we think the choice to be here is quite purposeful right now, but we don't know for how long. So have you had a, an occasion to, uh, to go over to the island of Crete? You're not far from there, right? No, and right now for the last two to three months since August, Crete has been under earthquake. Oh, really? Uh, a tremendous amount of earthquakes, tidal waves, that kind of thing around Crete. Crete's really having a hard time at the moment. There's oh, a, there's sorry a, to hear that. Sorry to hear that. Yes. So give us what you think is the most important thing to know about this new book that you've written. What's the most important message in your book? To stop living linearly in your lives, to stop scheduling everything in a progressive, old-fashioned way with time, whether it's the past, a present and a future, and instead begin to start feeling, intuiting the energy that's present and guiding your lives according to what feels intuitively like the right thing to do in the right timing. Using, using energy as that basis, um, what, what we've come to understand is that we've been imprisoned and enslaved by time for a very long time. And I don't mean that as a pun by saying time twice in a row. Um, <laughs> The first, the first mechanical clock was invented in the 14th century. So we've been using clocks and watches for 600 years. The Gregorian calendar was introduced in the 16th century. And so the, the basic calendar that everybody uses has been in its present form for 400 years. And what we're trying to help people understand is that Time is not the essential element on Earth. It's something that's used to control us, to make us to conform so that we will do what others want us to do instead of allowing us to be free and use our own power to feel into what is right. Time, you know, I looked up in the back of the book for today's date, November 27th, and it mm-hmm. said remembering. I yeah. really love that, Remembering. It is. That's the key word for today in the back of your book. You know, <laughs> you know, that's the title of the second book that Lartma had us write, Remembering Who We Are, Lartma's Guidance on Healing the Human Condition. So remembering is a very key Pleiadian concept. Yes. Uh, in your research, I, um, it just came to mind about Christmas and the birth of Christ, and I've always thought that that we celebrated uh, Jesus' birth at the wrong time of the year. I just never thought it happened in December. Do you have any information from your side about about the timing of his birth? I don't have anything except intu- intuition, and my intuition tells me that the energy of Christ was more than likely arriving on earth after solstice, which would have been more like a Capricorn energy than a, than a uh, energy of December 25th. I think that Christ was probably born sometime between January and April. Um, in the Pleiadian Earth energy system, the energies shift in the spring and April, and we are out of balance because we start our New Year's in January. So there's one school of thought that says Christ was actually probably born in January, but my feeling is probably Christ was more likely born in that manger in April when spring was coming around and the light was beginning to shine. How about March the 20th? How does that feel? That feels appropriate, yes, somewhere in there. <laughs> okay, that was also Athena's birthday on the island of Crete. 
So oh, yeah. I'm very excited about your work. But tell us some, some more about some other books that you've written. I, I know that you have several other books that, that are just absolutely fabulous. So tell us about some of them. We will. And I just wanted to say also, since you mentioned Athena being born on Crete, that Venus was born on Cyprus. Oh, Cyprus really? Is, yes, wow. Cyprus is the place of Venus. So being on the island that's the goddess of love is not a bad place to be. <laughs> um, our, our first book, um, entitled Conversations with Larkma, was a compilation of our first couple of years of presenting Larkma publicly. They, they first asked us quite quickly after they introduced themselves to us if we would begin to speak to the public. And after we began speaking in public arenas, they said, it's time for you to write a book. Would you do that? And so what we did was we took dialogues and ideas from those first couple of years and put them into this first book. The question-answer book that answers a lot of questions that people who are just beginning to understand that we do have interstellar brothers and sisters, how to give them a different perspective on reality. The second book, Remembering Who We Are, Larkma's Guidance on Healing the Human Condition, is a book about healing humanity back into remembering our true essence. It talks about energy. It talks about the split of duality. It talks about third dimension versus other dimensions, tools for change, seven components of healing, achieving rainbow body, and then it gives us ten choices at the end of the book. So if you if you get all three of these books and really, you know, have study hall, you know, I call it study hall, I'm that from that age group. <laughs> so <laughs> someone, you know, gets all three of your books and decides to uh, jump in and start finding out more about the information. So you would suggest to start with book one and then book two and then book three. You've written them that way? Well, yes, yes and no. Um, that's a very good question. They could be, and they are, standalone books, but to get a really wonderful foundational understanding, the first book, Conversations with Larkma, would be the beginning series. To, it's, a, it's a primer. Yes. And, and then the second book, Remembering Who We Are, would be the secondary book. And then the most recent one is the more complex one because it talks about our DNA. It talks about changing frequencies. It has mathematical things in it. It has a lot of more advanced Pleiadian knowledge. I think that DNA is uh, more and more people are getting more aware of how DNA functions in bloodlines. I'm really finding a lot of clients that I get are having extreme activations in their DNA from their ancestors. It's like yeah. all of a sudden uh, energies are rising up in some of these people that uh, maybe they've been in that bloodline before or there's some activation happening in a DNA that was a, was a time-release sequence that didn't happen until maybe 2012 or maybe another, another uh, activation time. I'm noticing that the ones that show up are the ones that really have a strong DNA activation from star systems. Yes, yeah, I think yeah we agree. Right. We agree, absolutely. Um, I, think, I think in the near future... Um, Larkma always tells us that they don't make predictions. They, they talk about potentialities and possibilities. But I think in the near future, 
we're going to understand the workings and the importance of our DNA more and more. And I think, I think we're going to activate many more parts of DNA as human consciousness rises in vibration. One of the things that I've noticed about the bloodlines is that it's almost like someone gives them a shot of remembrance. It's like they, they don't have their memory until they get a, 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 a literal shot in their system, you know, like a needle, like something being placed in their bodies, and then they wake up and go, oh, I know this now. I didn't know it yesterday. I'm finding a lot of that. Are you finding where people are being taken aboard ships or taken to different places and being given some kind of shots in their arms? There's definitely something like a shot in the arm or a shot somewhere that's that's making a difference. we're, We're noticing that people are waking up at a much faster rate than ever before. People are just waking up, and I mean waking up, realizing that there's more to life than the things we've been taught, the, the things that society, governments, education, all, all of the things that, that we've been given, which we were told were the truth, is now coming to the point where we're realizing that most of that is just an illusion and that by waking up, people are seeing a much, much greater picture, a much bigger perspective. You know, I'm finding a lot of those kids that were born after 1980 are the ones that are really grabbing a hold of this energy and moving forward. I'm noticing here in our country um, these kids that were, uh, you know, victims of the shootings in Florida. Those kids went right to the media right away, and they've stayed with it, and they have a whole different way of presenting themselves. And when I hear them talk, I'll go, wow, I didn't talk like that at 17. Where, where are they getting this kind of consciousness? Are you, are you finding that in the young people that you talk to? Yes. 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 We're, we're, go ahead, Pia. We even see it in six-year-olds. Even the six-year-olds seem to know things that most kids don't know at six. So we're, we see it at all ages. We're, we're meeting young people in their teens and 20s who seem like they're 70 or 80 years old in wisdom. It's happening over and over again in our experience. It's amazing to, to have conversations with these kids that, that, as you just said, that we didn't get when we were teenagers. They're right in the flow of consciousness in a new way that's never been available to humanity ever before. You know, I've been watching Master Chef Jr. and Dancing with the Stars Jr. And they're kids that are, you know, like from, from 6 to 12 and I'm just blown away by by what they're saying and how they're responding to everything around them. I don't know how many of our listeners are, are, are into that, but I'll tell you, it, it really puts a smile on my face seeing that these young kids have this kind of consciousness, so it gives me a lot of hope. It does, it does us too. And sometimes when we're listening to these young people, it's almost as though they're channeling information. They may not even be aware of where it's coming from. It's coming out of their mouths and their minds, but it's so wise and it's so deep that we think some of it is actually coming through them to help them raise their vibration. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I see what time it is, So, and I know that uh, you don't have much time, but I do want to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle. 
she has the switchboard. Would you be willing maybe to talk to someone that might want to call in and talk to you right now? Sure. Sure, we'd be happy to do that. So stay, stay connected with us. And any time that you have an event or something that you need to tell us, I can put you on for like 10 minutes anytime you want. So be sure to always uh, let me know if something very important is coming up that we need to tell the star seeds about. So thank, thank you. you so much for staying up late, and thank you for sending three books, three calendars. Our girls are loving it, okay? So back to you, Ariel. All right. Well, um, we do have a caller that's been waiting patiently for quite a while with a question for you. Um, her name is Melissa, so I'm going to get your mic open. Just hang on, sweetie. Okay, Melissa, you're on the air with Pia and Cullen, so go ahead with your question. Hi, Melissa. Melissa, are you still with us? I know you've been on hold for a long time. She was uh, wanting to know um, how the Pleiadians are helping mankind with things like global warming and some of the the problems. Are are they able to do anything um, or is that off limits? How does that work? The Pleiadians are trying to educate us on how to empower ourselves to deal with the repercussions of the choices that we've made as a species. So they tell us that they love us and they are going to empower us to fix our own messes and they're not going to fix anything for us. So they're not necessarily they're not necessarily fixing everything, but they are empowering us to fix it. They they do tell us that there's one thing that they will help us with directly, and that is not only the Pleiadians, but other star beings, the Arcturians, the, there, there are many, many, many other star beings other than just Pleiadians, but also the Pleiadians, they will not let humanity blow this planet up through nuclear war. That is one thing they will not allow and that they are allowed to do by cosmic law. They also do things like dissipating the chemtrails that uh, can poison humanity. Um, the Arcturians in particular work with dissipating chemtrails. The Pleiadians are here more to empower us, to help us know what we can do. But the Arcturians and some of the others are doing things like that. So there is help out there, but they are very, very steadfast on you guys have the power to change this, to turn it around and do it. They also offer a tremendous amount of education. They've been telling us for the last seven or eight years that our sun is going to be getting cooler and cooler and that we're going to be experiencing higher radiation because the sun is cooling off. Well, that has now been proven to be true by our science, which is recognizing that as the sun cools off, we have less shielding in our environment, and the cosmic rays penetrate us more, impacting our food growth, impacting our um, human way that we feel physically, mentally, emotionally, all of those things. So they're helping to educate us about what is actually happening and what we can do to adjust and adapt to it. Apparently, from the Pleiadian perspective, the best thing that we can do is learn to adjust and adapt to the changing circumstances while we're empowering ourselves to make changes ourselves. Well, that makes total sense because, I mean, obviously, if if your mom comes and cleans your room and does your laundry, you didn't learn anything. <laughs> Very good That's example. That's a really good example. 
<laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's like, okay, you kids, you made the mess, you clean it up, but we'll help you learn how to do that. So, um, and that's that's really <laughs> that's the best way to do it. So, um, well, Melissa, I, I guess we can't hear you, but I hope that that answers Hello? your question. Hello? 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 Yes, I am here. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Well, um, since you had um, already said what your question was about, I asked it for you. And and did you Thank hear you their know. response? I, did I you have another question? Hear, um, yeah, concerning that, um, may I please ask you, is there any stones that will help? I mean, or excuse me, in general here. Um, um, is, is, is nature going to be uh, getting more gold, global? Is this going to continue or is it going to calm down? Um, it's going to continue to change at an accelerated pace. I don't think we can expect it to calm down until Mother Nature is finished doing what she needs to do for shifting and changing. But the good news is that we are shifting and changing with her. So we have the opportunity to be different also. We don't have to hold on to wanting it to be the way it used to be. We have the opportunity to instead to evolve and to be able to be more in alignment with the energies that are here for us now. Interesting. That's very nice. Being, love Mother Nature. Thank you. Thank okay. you for your well, question. Melissa, thank you for thank you for calling in. And if you if you listen to the show, it'll be in the archives um, about an hour after we conclude. And then you can go and listen to their answer if you missed it, uh, because it, it will be okay. in the archives. Okay. Thanks so much for calling in. Bye bye. So um, if anyone else has a, a question for Pia and Colin, you'll need, if you're already on the switchboard, you just need to press 1 so that we know you have a question. And um, if you are listening on the computer, then you need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1. And... Um, we don't have any other any other callers showing up right now, but we do have a lot of people on the switchboard, so um, they are fascinated. Um, I wanted to ask you um, if, like you did the last time, you spoke in light language, and uh, it was just thrilling to me. So, uh, if we're waiting for um, to see if there are any other questions, um, can you do that? You mean you would like to speak with Larkma? You'd like Larkma to speak? Well, I just remember you spoke light language, and I guess maybe it was Larkma, but um, I don't want to put you on the spot with that. I just um, There was something about mind, the cadence. We don't mind connecting you with Larkma, but we we have never spoken specifically light language, unless that is how you perceived Larkma when they were speaking, and we're happy to do that for you if oh. you'd like to do that. Well, that's, then I, did, um, I don't remember well enough. It, I, I, it sounded like like language to me. but um, uh. You know, I'm not surprised at all with that, Ariel, because people tell us all the time that they perceive Larkma's messages in a different cadence, a different rhythm, and it goes straight to the heart. So... I think that what you are what you are feeling right now or what you're remembering is how the message impacted you at an energetic level. 
that's what I think you're referring to. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's correct. That's correct. But we'll be um, glad to how long would you like them to speak? Do you want just two or well, three minutes? Just a a a, a brief message, um, and it, it's um, you know it doesn't have to be um, long. But there there are a lot of people you know trying to deal with the shadows, um, and people don't understand um, that it is shadow, and sometimes you know there's there's some there's some pain that goes along with that so um if there is a a message that would uh, uplift people from that feeling that would be wonderful sure well give us a moment to shift gears and allow Larkman to come through <clears throat> Hello, dear one. We are Larkma, and we are here because we love you. We understand that this process of evolution in the current moment is particularly challenging for you. Starseeds feel more than the masses do because starseeds are here on purpose, and you are more sensitive to the changes that are occurring. We would like to give you an inspiration to let you know that all the challenges and difficulties you are experiencing now are for your highest good and for your own evolutionary growth. If you look at how everything on this planet is based on the dualistic perspective of opposites, then perhaps we can help you lessen your pain, for the opposite of pain is pleasure. Therefore, Whenever you are feeling something that is uncomfortable, perhaps you can say, oh, I'm on one end of the spectrum at the moment, and slide your perceptions up to the other end of the spectrum and see if you can find a more peaceful place to experience and accept whatever is happening. That requires that you change your thoughts and that you think more from your heart, opening to acceptance, surrender, and growth to your potential while the changes are happening around you and you are changing yourself. We know that each one of you volunteered to be here during this time to help the planet in her ascension process and to help humanity evolve into a higher vibratory state of being. You are here to lead the way, to set the example, to help humanity become the new human. And this is not an easy task. Many of you may be mothers, and having given birth, you know that the process of bringing forth a child involves labor and pushing and pain, and yet the moment that you achieve the birth of the child, the pain is forgotten, and the pushing is forgotten also. Instead, you suddenly feel like everything is exactly as it should be. In the same way, you are experiencing now the push of birth into the new humans, and you're in the labor period, so it's going to be somewhat uncomfortable. So if you can monitor your perceptions and say, oh, this pain is for a purpose, and I can perceive it differently, anticipating the pleasure that is coming, then that does indeed lessen your experience of the current pain. That's one thing that we will tell you. We hope that this helps you, and we invite all of you to connect with us again when we do our monthly live call, and you can ask us questions about your experience as you are experiencing it every month. 
We love you. Good always. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was exactly the kind of message that is needed, and we are grateful. And did that strike you as a light language when you heard it this time with the cadence? Uh, well, I, I did hear I did hear that 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 what is an energy or frequency more than the words um, that was coming through. Yes. Thank but, you for recognizing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, the the energy. I mean, even um, you know when when they say their name. It's 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 uplifting. I mean, I remembered that part exactly um, because it really made an imprint for me the first time um, when you did that. So, thank you very much, well, and thank you to Larkma for being on call and um, and speaking to our audience. You're very welcome. So, oh, um, well, we don't. I don't. I'm going to take one more look. I don't think there are any more. Um, callers with questions, and uh, no, we are good to go. So um, I want to thank you both for um, sharing your your light, your work, your findings, um, your books with with humanity, and for coming on our show and for staying up until the wee hours of the morning to be with us. Uh, we so well, appreciate it. It's been our pleasure to be with you again. We're we- always happy to be on your show and participate in sharing things and bringing forth information. The Pleiadians want us to bring forth whatever wisdom they share with us. So this is our mission, and it's, we're happy to do it. It's, it's also uplifting for us. Um, as you said a moment ago, that, that it gave you a sense of upliftment. We're, we're uplifted every time they communicate through us. It's it's always a, a very, very wonderful experience. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you obviously are, are passionate and love what you do. You were, you were called to this, and, and you answered, and we're grateful for that. So are, so are so we. So are we. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just before I wrap it up here, I want to once again mention your websites. There is um, larkma.com, and larkma is spelled L-A-A-R-K-M-A-A. And um, the other website is Pia Orlean, and Pia is spelled P-I-A. Orlean is O-R-L-E-A-N-E.com. And your um, monthly live calls, are they on the uh, larkma.com? Yes, yes, they're on the Larkma.com. We also have a YouTube channel. It's called Pleiadian Larkma, and you might find videos there that you want to watch. There's some short video things from Larkma has presented in the past, including their heart meditation to bring peace to the world, and uh, an explanation of the Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar is on there on YouTube. Oh, cool. Cool. And um, so... <laughs> Thank you again for for staying up into the wee hours, and we are so grateful to you both. We encourage everyone to take a look at at their work, um, the the three books, um, starting with Conversations with Larkma, Remembering Who We Are, and Pleiadian Earth Energy um, Astrology, along with the calendar. 
Uh, get your copies of that and jump in. There is a lot there for you. And um, we are so grateful that you're on the planet at the same time that we are. Thank you. Thank you. We feel very, very privileged to be able to speak like this with you. We would love to do it again sometime. Oh, I'm sure you'll be back. <laughs> I'm sure you will be, you'll be back. Uh, Lavendar does the scheduling, so um, we could just make it a regular thing, you know, every so often you come back. And now with the Internet, you know, and Skype and all that, doesn't matter where you are because um, we're, we're, we're all over the United States and, and we've got listeners all across the globe. So you will be heard. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. So we're going to say good night now, and thank you to all um, listening and live and in the archives from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy. We thank you for tuning in, and we will be back next week. Until then, take care and find gratitude in every day and show compassion. Until next time, good night. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 